Welcome to this special episode of the Conscious Being Podcast. It is International Men's Day on the 19th of November, and we thought it was time to celebrate some of the amazing men out there in the disability community, doing the activism work right alongside us. So today, I'm having a fun-filled but insightful chat with Dan White and Chris Whitaker. I'll be honest, it was like chatting with my two best friends. I hope you enjoy this special episode. Also, if you enjoy the podcast and the Conscious Being publication, do please consider supporting the work we do on Patreon. Just go on the Patreon website and search for Conscious Being. Now, on with the show. Hey, thank you everyone. Thank you listeners for being on board for this extra special um, podcast episode of Conscious Being. Um, hi, Dan. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. No, um, thank you having us on. <laughs> I thought for a second there you were both going to just not say anything and there'd be this really awkward silence. Into the stereogram now, can we? Can we do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, please just talk, please. I right, know it'll be fine. It'll be fine for, for this brilliant podcast. But as, as with all of my podcasts, I always want to hear from my guests who they are because obviously I'm just someone sitting on the outside looking in on your lives thinking how wonderful you both are but you might have something different to say about that I don't know (laughs) so I'm going to hand it over to let's go with you first Dan who is Dan okay well the falsehood is that I'm the last of the famous international playboys but the truth (laughs) is that I'm a very proud dad to Emily, who's a wheelchair user with spina bifida, hydrocephalus, and PDA autism. I'm also a, a columnist. Uh, I managed to say that right for once. A writer, creator of the Department of Ability, uh, a broadcaster, uh, and just a campaigner for SEN, carers, disability, and mental health. Brilliant. Wonderful. You did that so well. It was a proper elevator pitch. Sometimes I ask... Sometimes I ask that question and people can talk for like 10 minutes and it's like, whoa, hang on a sec. We've got other stuff to talk about too, but that was perfect. Uh, I've I've got visions of of, of people behind the camera doing this. Yeah, like, (laughs) cut. Press, compress, yeah. My name's Dan. That's it. Yeah, it's time to finish. Time to move. Time to move on to Chris. He's sitting there oh, looking Chris. very bemused. Yeah. <laughs> like Chris, let's see no, if you can outdo Dan's elevator pitch. Oh, Who oh, is yeah. Chris? <laughs> no, no question. So, who am I? Uh, what an existential question. Um, I uh, I work in in sports. Uh, I'm a real disability cliche in that I'm uh, proudly married to my wife. Finally, who also happens to be another Paralympic swimmer because apparently they're everywhere these days. Oh, yeah, uh, I, um, <laughs> yeah, I frequently uh, blog uh, and generally try and use a platform to uh, raise positive awareness about disability and uh, related issues. Brilliant. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I think I think you might have made it slightly shorter than Dan's, Chris. So well done. Me being concise. See, that's my issue, though. It's like, um, you know, because I do a lot of speaking gigs, especially in schools, and um, when I get very passionate about something, I'm sure we're, we're all the same with this. It's like you just you want to talk and talk and talk and talk yeah. about it. 
And it can be so hard to just rein yourself in and go, oh, and it was uh, my my podcast that I did with Carrie Ann Lightly. Um, You know, I try to keep these podcasts to about 30 minutes if I can, but hers ended up being, hers is the record, we're at like 46 minutes or something. Um, But we just had so much to talk about and work through. And I think, yeah, when you're passionate about something, you could talk about it forever. Well, she is pretty awesome. Carrie Ann, I love Carrie Ann. She's just, um, yeah, I tweeted her early to, earlier today and said we need to catch up. So, um, and we've already got plans to meet up once once this pandemic and um, lockdown and all this stuff is over. We're going to meet up and have a pint. But I want to do the same with you two as well. So, um, I think we definitely need to make that happen. Give us more Please. incentive to, to get through this pandemic. So um, yeah. it's going to be the pleasure of meeting all you in person, in like face-to-face. It'd be amazing. It um, sounds really odd, that, doesn't it? There's actually meeting people. sounds really odd now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There's more to me than a head on a screen. It's really? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not a head on a stick. Going to yeah. you across the screen. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'll move us on to um, essentially the main theme of, of this podcast, which, you know, as, as my listeners would know, Conscious Being is primarily um, a publication and a podcast for disabled women by disabled women. But these two gentlemen <laughs> kept on asking me, we want to be on your podcast. And I kept on saying... A woman, you could be, you could be trans. I don't know. I can't, you know, but both of you, I think, have assured me in some way or other that, no, you definitely identify as male, Um, but you still wanted to be on this podcast. So, you know what? It was with great excitement that I discovered the 19th of November, 2020 is International Men's Day, the day where we get to celebrate you guys, especially, and you know what, I really do want to focus on guys like you who are in the disability world and and are just absolutely amazing allies to disabled women. And that's why I was like, you know what, this is the opportunity to have Dan and Chris on. But I kind of wanted to keep the theme on International Men's Day. And their kind of direction or vibe for it this year, which is better health for men and boys. And I thought, in, especially in light of, of disability um, and mental health, I think this is an interesting thing to be focusing on for International Men's Day. So I just want to open the floor to, to both of you. You can fight over who gets to go first. <laughs> That's fine by me. Um, but I just want to understand from, from both you, Chris and Dan, what does this mean to you? What does better health for men and boys actually mean to you, especially in light of your own health and mental health? I think for personally, uh, better recognition would be for more men, other men to be a bit more open and a bit more or, or admit, admittative of their various mental health and physical issues and things like that. Because obviously, as we know, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but men in general tend to, um, have this robust wall we put up around ourselves of, of don't let anyone in we can fight all fires and put fires out so from my point of view it'd be a bit more general open open opening up from my gender around this thing i mean for me personally um mental health is the key thing i mean i'm in that respect that i can go for a run if i feel the onset of a bipolar episode i can just get out there and run it off to the point of physical exhaustion but then again i shouldn't really have to do that i i, I should have 
uh, the opportunity to go and get counselling at the drop of a hat in a, in, a, in a fair first world country, but we all know that's not the truth. So on the other side of that, I'd like to see full on investment in social care and mental health, and I'd like to see no more faffing around that just needs to be done because too many men are falling by the wayside, as are so many women, especially carers like myself. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it, I would, would agree just to build on what Donna said about that holistic conception of, of what it is to be not just a healthy man, but a healthy person. And in terms of mental health, I'm quite out there in terms of saying I've, I have had mental health problems. It's part of my lived experience. It's part of who I am. I, I had to and chose to positively um, st start my counseling again that I've had on and off. Um, because of the um, because of COVID, if we can say that word here, uh, and yes, yeah, um, of course, you know, Fran and I have been self isolating since the end, end of February, which I think we've we've broken to once to visit my parents when it was allowed up north, and that's been a really key part of my armory, and I've been really fortunate to to access that, and I've got the support network that's available, and it's my hope that through being more open about mental health and about disability in general that you create more of, of a climate where it's okay to have that conversation it's okay to ask questions it's okay to promote that it's okay to say do you know what i'm having a bad day but that's all right and for me one of the real positive things of this time is that that how the disability space on twitter has been really supportive uh, around each other during a very challenging time for so many different reasons. No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, the, the Twitter space itself, especially, that just the, the community aspect that's built up and the support aspect that's built up, which is just absolutely phenomenal. And just, just for me, uh, underplays and underlines the fact that this is the best community that there is, the mental health and the disability community, because it's so richly diverse. It's got so many beautiful souls within it of, of, of all ages, colours, creeds, ethnicities, and genders. and or, um, and so forth and it's, it's just brought that to the forefront i mean obviously solidarity un under covid and lockdown but unfortunately we need the wider world we need the government in general to to up, up the ante of social physical and mental care when it comes to men and deep when it comes to women but especially on men's mental health day there needs to be shouting from the rooftops but i think the feeling almost is that um a lot of people are scared to shout out about the day in general because they're feeling that they're being bit too it's, it's quite hard to put in words as, as if to say well men do get a lot of um here say men are everywhere within power and politics and business what why should men have a shout out day i think people are all a bit worried about about promoting that day and such but i, th I think we need to do it because we just need to show that we're all encompassing because mental health does affect everyone but there's also the stigma that the man still the stigma that the man is the one who goes out to work by anybody are which we know is not the truth so I think a lot of stereotypes need to be smashed. We need to promote actively what, feet, what women do throughout the year, and especially on this day, to counteract men's, mm. men's health day as well. There, seems, there needs to be a counteraction of both, because yeah. you've lost it. Smash. Yeah. yeah um, I, sorry, Liz, go on. No, go, Chris, that's fine. I was just going to say, I think the more, the more genuinely emotionally literate that, that we can be, and support each other, you know, for me, the, the whole kind of, oh, simple bullet put yourself together, it's nonsense. We, we need to deconstruct that every day. And, and the more open that we 
can all be. I think that the better it is for for everybody who is in that space and who wants to who wants to engage in that way. Maybe that people don't, and that's fine too. But at the very least, the option should be available to people who shouldn't feel the need to, you know, feel compelled to take that stiff upper lip tack because, you know, society will, will, will judge them. We all, you know, the, the more opportunity we have to encourage a culture of tolerance and openness and inclusivity, the, the better we'll all be, I think. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely agree. I, I wish more on just an open, tolerant, inclusive country. But I think there needs to be a whole sea change around the media mm. and around the government. I mean, they're the ones with all the, the power to wield to change stereotypes and yeah. actively inclusion because they feed into everyone's lives, into everyone's homes. And the sad fact is they're not, they're not really doing that to the power that they should be doing that, which obviously leaves communities fractured and divided still. And, mm. and just not, yeah, I mean, like I said, this community is just, in my opinion, is the greatest because it's so richly diverse. And I, I'm very proud of it. I love it to pieces, but it just... We've still got so far to go. I know. I know we really do. And honestly, both of you, thank you so much for, for being so open. And I think, you know, both of you are talking about this idea of stereotypes. And I think it's something that in the disability community, we know so much about. And I think, um, you know, I've had many discussions, especially over the past few months, strangely, um, like why it's been the past few months, I don't know, but about the connection between mental health and disability and, you know, um, disabled people perhaps um, kind of feeling depression and anxiety a lot more than, say, non-disabled people for, for whatever reason. But I don't think there should ever be this idea of a competition, like one's worse than the other or anything like that. And that is one thing that I think is really beautiful about um the, the Twitter community. And I think, you know, I'll be honest, I still see almost like cliques sometimes popping up um, or like disagreements. And I'll admit, I've been involved in some of these disagreements before. But I think especially in light of what's happened in the past week or two, I think parent, disabled adult, carer, disabled children, we've all come together and rallied around each other to... Yeah support every single person and I think definitely a key part of that has been um uh the the male carers and and disabled men in the community um especially in light of the fact that you know you know we're going we're going here a little bit early than I was expecting but we're going to go to the movie The Witches and um and the Emmerdale storyline and I'll just briefly explain um to listeners um, about the Witches movie. Um, so the new one that's come out this year with Anne Hathaway um, as the the Grand High Witch, isn't it? That's who, what she's called. Um, and in the book, um, in Roald Dahl's book, the witch didn't have limb difference, but they've made Anne Hathaway's character have, I'm not even going to attempt, I cannot actually say the medical name of my conditions. <laughs> So I don't even attempt it, but basically she's limb different in the hands. I'm not even going to attempt to say the medical name for it, but essentially she has three fingers and there was a lot of her in the, especially in the limb different community, but the way the, the rest of the disabled community rallied around limb different people was just so amazing. Like it makes me emotional to even think about that, like how everyone just rallied. Um, 
And then with the Emmerdale um, storyline, so if you're listening in the States, because I know we have a few listeners in the States, Emmerdale is like a, a kind of soapy. I've never watched it. Like, pray, shame on me. I don't know. I don't, I don't watch these shows. But it's a, it's like a soapy show here in, in um, the UK. And they're currently, um, it hasn't gone to air, has it, Dan, yet? It's the no, um, there rumor circulating today i've had it from very good sources that the storyline may be being dropped because everything oh. is so that's oh, okay that's what i'm hoping but obviously we'll talk about that okay yeah yeah we'll talk about it. so i'll just briefly briefly say it so it's it hasn't gone to air yet and there's now as dan's just said it might not go to air but there was a storyline that potentially is going to air around a couple who's um uh, they're going to have a baby and the baby's being diagnosed in utero with Down syndrome and there's this whole storyline about the termination of the baby and, um, you know, there's been uproar for obvious reasons, especially in the Down syndrome community, um, about, again, a, a narrative and a trope that um, is being repeated again. Um, and I do want to say, you know, I, I do want to acknowledge parents who have perhaps gone through a termination and I don't want to diminish their pain or trauma oh, no. around that at all. Um, but the, the, the issue has been that there are these tropes that are constantly put out there, these narratives that are really fundamentally harmful to the disability community. And all we're saying, um, all we've said the past few weeks is that we want these narratives to change. There are more positive, more authentic, more realistic narratives that these creative people could be telling. And my thing is just like, if you're creative people, be damn creative and come up with something new. <laughs> like that's all I want to say to them. But um, I'll pass it over to you guys to discuss. What, what have, for, for both you, Chris and Dan, what have your thoughts been about the, the whole Witches movie and Emmerdale and, um, you know, kind of beyond that in terms of representation? Well, my, my initial thought was that it's, it's, A, it's extremely lazy. Mm. be it a, a lack of awareness within the industry and and thirdly it's it's just done for sensationalism and ratings especially from the Emmerdale point of view i mean as far as i was concerned they, they have had a golden opportunity here to proceed with the storyline but i think the character laurel discovers that the baby and you in youtube it will have down syndrome but against the odds she decides to keep it and the storyline then could have been an investigation into the lives of people with Down syndrome because they already have a Down syndrome character in the soap opera. It would have given that character extra content but made that character extra strong, brought that character more to the forefront instead of being a background character. And then the concept could have been Lauren battling against the ignorance of villagers around her who want to know why she's having it. I mean, it could have been like we had ourselves when you go to the prenatal classes and the parents are, oh, well, what's your baby going to be? My baby's got Down syndrome. And you can have the, the conversation there of, oh, all this going on so what as far as i'm concerned is just lazy script writing for sensationalism and ratings which all of us have put to them but we've had no response so they've had a perfect opportunity like you said to use their imagination as writers because they're there because they're supposed to be writers which as far as i'm concerned it seems quite odd because they're not seem to be able to do it they to me they couldn't seem to be keeping a rabbit going with lettuce but yeah. there we go and as far as witches front is concerned once again it's, it's just this complete lack of awareness and disability education within the industry it's always they always seem to put their foot in it after the event don't they i mean uh, what's her name Anne, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. yeah 
since apologised for it, but it shouldn't really have ever gotten that far. I mean, how much longer are we going to have to put up with the same old trope that the villain has to have a disability, a scar or a wheelchair or deformity? I mean, it's 2020 and we're still going down this route. We're still chugging along that same old predictable route, which just shows a lack of imagination across the board. I'll let you talk now, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think it just shows how much work, work there is to do and it's quite depressing that we can still be having these conversations in, in 2020 and it's, it's quite interesting looking back at, at, at the, the 25th anniversary of, of the DDA and we're still talking 25 yes. years later about you know, some of the similar things and um, you know how many times do we have to have these conversations. I think it's it's also a really in a positive way it's a really good advert for greater diversity within creative industries mm. uh, i was reading an ofcom report for um for some uh, work that i'm doing with a different hat on and uh, ofcom have set broadcasters uh, diversity targets and we've seen examples through um, channel force coverage of the paralympics of how it can be done in in better ways so so the better practice is out there but i think in a very oversimplistic way, if we don't challenge stereotypes, that then we actually act by omission in terms of reinforcing them. And, and there's no real place for that in 2020. No, there's, there's not. And, and can I honestly say, and I wear all of these with a badge of honour, after, <laughs> after challenging the witches last week, I got called woke, a snowflake, precious, I was seeking. I was an attention seeker. Um, what else did I get called? I don't know I've had all that front, you know, and I wear it, not that. To, yeah, to, I was like, I'm thanks. Broke. That's a compliment. Thanks, yeah. dude. Like, woo <laughs> Of injustice, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'd wear that with absolute pride. And I know you. I've known you forever, and you're just such a great human, intelligent mind who's just going to fight her corner. So I'll, I'll work with you. Absolutely work with you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, I reckon. We should all get woke badges made. <laughs> like, I mean, first, first and foremost, again, in a very oversimplistic way, we are all people. Can we not just focus more on that and focus on who we are as people, how we want to live our lives and, and get beyond, as, as Dan rightly says, those lazy stereotypes. And, and if not, if people want to have, um, you know, okay, a, a better question is, well, why, why do you think that, you know, why do you think that's wrong? And then at least we can kind of use it as a, as a bit of an opportunity to engage in dialogue about that and, and advance our own learning. And um, I mean, I'm still learning about uh, disability and I, I, I've lived it for, sadly, in my increasing old age, nearly 40 years now. And I, I learn, you know, every day about stuff and my life is made richer through conversations like this and others. So have an evolving understanding so we can get past these things. Let's get beyond the I, I'm on my soapbox now, so both. But let's <laughs> get beyond, right. let's get beyond the, the, the tribalism and and be more critically reflective in terms of how we talk about about the things that we talk about with people, disability or not. Yeah. No, a absolutely. I, I, I absolutely hundred percent agree. But I, I think what happens within, to harken it back to the, the, the media industries themselves, that the problem, I think, always starts at the top because it's 99% of the time you've got old white men dictating this all the way down, haven't you? And that, there was a little hope I had last week when the new director general of the BBC was made, and I thought, great, they're going to go for someone original. But no, it was another white middle class. <laughs> 
educated man put in place and you say anything, okay, well, we're going to have to possibly have to wait a bit longer because he doesn't seem very open to dialogue. But I there we go. Two really simple questions in, re in relation to disability, but, but also applies to, to diversity generally. One, how many disabled people have you actually talked to in order to arrive at that view? And two, who is it that you are not seeing? Uh, and yeah. as a result of who you are not seeing, how do you need to be more inclusive about that? W what are you going to do about it? And if the answer is we're still seeing the same people in the same places, then we need that to change. Well, exactly. And that brings you back to children in need this Friday. I mean, as much as I love the fact that it raises a fantastic amount of money for causes that desperately need it, I do have a lot of issues with that programme. For instance, the title, Children in Need, which as far as I can see, a lot of other parents see, it's, just, it's still perpetuating the stereotype as children, as, as, as victims, and, and, and just sad faces. They, they still have this droning, sad piano music constantly across it. And the fact they don't have any disabled presenters as well no. on there. The same can I, can I, can I, mean, can I tell you... A, sorry, Dan, I was just going to say, can I tell you a really quick story which goes to show yeah. how far we haven't come in terms of this? So, you know, you're talking about children in need and this kind of trope, and I think, like, people feeling good about themselves because they're doing something to help the, the poor disabled children or whatever yeah. that, that might be. Yeah. Um, but when I was born, um, my mum took me up to the shops and I was in the, you know, she had me in the pram. Um, it's like a family story. And this lady approached my mum and she was, she had a bucket for a charity for disabled children. And she started talking to my mum about, oh, those poor little children, we need to, you know, um, raise money for them. You know, could you like donate some money? And you know, this is like 1979, so my mum's like, I don't think, you know, she was quite aware of, you know, obviously the social model was just being developed and stuff like that. She had no idea how to deal with this. And so she was like, oh, just get some money out. So while she's getting money out of her, her purse, the woman, the charity woman, apparently leant down over my pram and went, oh, is this your baby? And pulled the blanket back. And she, of course, would have seen me with my missing arm and missing fingers. And apparently she just stood upright, turned around and ran away. <laughs> and mum was just left standing there going, uh, like, do you not want my money? <laughs> and it was this thing, a bit, a bit coming back to what you were saying, Chris, about like that thinking about who are you not seeing? And I think case in point with this woman, she may have felt really good thinking, oh, I'm helping disabled children by raising money. But has she actually met any disabled children? Yeah. Does she act, has yeah. she actually had any direct experience with disabled children? Because my thinking is if she had, she wouldn't have had that reaction at seeing no. me in a pram with a very visible physical disability um yeah. and i i just worry that yeah a bit like you dan with with children in need that that is the same thing it's it's that whole like well it's making the viewer at home feel good about themselves but what is the harmful or potential harmful negative impact on the disability community and disabled children who are out there living these lives every day exactly i mean if, if they're going to proceed with children in need, at least give us a flip side of that narrative by commissioning a set of programs for disabled children with disabled children giving them their voices if they're going to continue down this this path of stereotypical nonsense or, albeit that does 
raise good money, then that you've got to have the other flip side of the coin. But but they don't. And you and if you speak to these children, like I speak to these children, you speak to these children, know that Chris speaks to these children, you can see how frustrated they are. Where they're just their imagery of being a victim, of just being a company looking out of a window at their friends playing football. Well, that's just nonsense. These kids are feisty and fiery and angry, and they can be annoying and they can be sarcastic. I mean, you want to spend an hour with this one I got here, literally. <laughs> want to put your head through the wall at times <laughs> teenager help <Yeah>. me <laughs> <laughs> and there's a really key question there. i mean the, the, clearly that um again in a very you can see i live in a very simple world in in, in my mind but that clearly with children need if we strip it back right to it, it, its basic level there is there is good intent there there is good charitable intent to, to do a good thing. The key question now is that actually, how do we make the best use of that good intent and um, think about it as it applies to, to, to not necessarily when it started, but how we are now? How, how has that evolved? Yeah, and and progressed. The, the, the disabled people that I speak, speak to from you know different times and different places. That I, my sense is that the the contemporary um, desires, needs, aspirations of disabled people now are very different to even when I was growing up. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really important to be grounded in in actually what what the hopes, needs, fears, as Dan rightly says with Emily, what, what, what is it that they want? What is it that the one that they want to grow up in uh, looks like now? No, so exactly. Giving, giving them I'm, that autonomy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking to say that, that, that people will stop asking my opinion because they should be just directing their microphones and the cameras towards Emily at the end of the day. I'm just the man who happens to shout the loudest at the clouds in this mm -hmm. situation but it's, at the end of the day i should be redundant it should be emily and the kids who are having this opinion i mean it's like it says the 25th anniversary of disability um of the dda isn't it and i haven't seen one bit where the kids have been asked what they think about it N yeah. no and, and you know what it's like 25th anniversary you know um both here and in the states and i look back to how my childhood was and i honestly don't think much has changed for, no. for kids. There, there has been some progress and there has been some change yeah i'm not going to discount that but i think in general there's a lot of stuff a lot of the big heavy stuff that hasn't been changed and this is why you know i i kind of I think I've always hoped that in my lifetime I would see this change, but I'm, I, you know, you think you're getting old, Chris. I turned 41 on Monday. <laughs> I, 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 I turn 49 next year. <laughs> Go the 40 decade. Woohoo! Um, yeah, you have cake on, Liz. This is the, the, this is the important question. Do you have cake on, on Monday? Oh, do you want to know when I had cake? I had cake on Saturday, Sunday, <laughs> Monday, and Tuesday, and I'll probably have some cake today. <laughs> That is living. That is living. We're nearly to the end. We're nearly to the end of the podcast, guys. I just want to ask one more question to both of you. Yeah. Um, as I said at the start, um, I set up Conscious Being to be a publication and a podcast for disabled women by disabled women because I really felt that disabled women weren't being given the platform that they needed, and even if it's small at the moment, my intention with this is to grow it massive. You know, disabled women 
are going to be roaring. They're going to be shouting. They're going to be demanding that they get the attention that they deserve. But as disabled women, I firmly believe that we need um, male allies. We need you men behind us, supporting us, give it, helping to give us the platform that we need. So I wanted to ask you both about allyship. Why do you practice allyship and how do you practice allyship and who is your inspiration for being an ally? Well, I think I practice allyship because it's, it's absolutely essential. You, you, you just have to see beyond gender and things like it just, it just doesn't even register as far as I'm concerned. We're just all allies, friends and colleagues. But at the end of the day, we're all fighting for the same vision. And if, if you start to bring gender into it, then you find yourself guilty of, of, of those who discriminate against disability. You start questioning this one we're talking to that person so as far as i'm concerned and has always been concerned it's just there's just been no there's, there's no there's no specifics there's no difference it's just we're all trying to do the same thing and that's why i but the funny thing is that most activists i speak to think about this morning are women because they're just bloody amazing and i just hit my hat to them and i, and I will quite grad, fight with them all the time because they're, they're bloody incredible i mean icons Myself, obviously, there's Emily, just for a sheer sass determination that she has on her own. It's got nothing to do with me. Her sheer determination to see things change for a community. I've also got you, Elizabeth. I've got Pops, Dr. Hannah Barnum-Brown. I've got, I've got Liz Carr. I've got Sam, Sam Rank. I mean, just it's just incredible. But you have to see beyond gender. You just have to work together as a community. And that's, that's what I think our greatest strength is. Because like I said, once you start pointing out gender, then you're guilty of those who tend to start bringing those rules down upon us sort of thing yeah in terms of allyship i mean it's as Dan rightly says it, it, it's it, it's critical so that we can all, all move forward together especially in a time when unfortunately existing inequalities are, are being exacerbated by covid it's more important that we're we're more unified we're more cohesive we're, we're more on the same sheet in terms of my life i've been really blessed with strong role models uh, from all, all walks of life you know all, all genders uh, particularly you know i've got i've got to mention my mom my sister and, and now my wife and and particularly uh fran i'm not i'm not allowed to use the word inspiration because then i've got a swear jar that every time we use the word inspiration this month in disability history month it's it's a pound in the in the charity box so that's a, a pound already that I'm, I'm down on this podcast but my um, my inspiration one pound fifty is, is fran uh, she she my life as a disabled person in two halves i spent the first half of my life running away from anything to do with disability because my younger self in you know in, in um the naivety of youth didn't want to be pigeonholed and just wanted to be normal whatever that is then, by total coincidence, I, I met Fran, fell in love. She happened to have the same impairment as I did. She taught me about the social model, uh, and she has taught me and teaches me still now every day about what it is to be comfortable in, in your own skin. And that has such a vast impact on, on my life and the lives of people around me. So, I, yeah, I'll always be incredibly grateful for that. Brilliant. That's great. That, right. that is just oh you too i just i can't wait to meet you in person and i just you know what as much as i know you both stand behind me and other disabled women i want you to know that me 
And, and I know that plenty of other disabled women stand behind you guys as well, because as, as you've both rightly said, we're a community and we're there to support each other and lift each other up. And I've just had the most amazing, I think it's ended up being closer to 40 minutes, but it was such a brilliant, brilliant conversation. I didn't want to stop it. And I'm thinking we might have to do a part two. So I might have a think about that. But thank oh, you both, okay. um, Dan and Chris, for, for being a guest on the Conscious Being podcast. Love to you both. Thank you. thank you so much. No, thank you so much. But before we go, I've got a very good idea that will change the narrative around disability for the viewers of Children in Need. I worked this out with Adam Pearson this morning. Now, what it is, yep. on Friday, everyone who doesn't have a disability has to have an alcoholic drink. As soon as someone says the words wheelchair-bound, inspirational, victim, if they hear sad piano music, if they hear that awful cold place, victim. <laughs> And every time they see a non-disabled presenter, by the end of the show, they're going to be so absolutely paralytically hammered, they will never look at disability in the same way again. <laughs> but that sounds like fun. Can I not do that too, even though I have a disability? <laughs> if, you've got two, if you've got two livers, or two, yeah, if you've got two livers, go for it, absolutely. But I thought that'd be the perfect way for them to stop thinking about disability in a sympathetic way, because it will take them back to that time that they're on a UV drip in A&E. <laughs> Brilliant, Dan. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for being on the podcast. No worries. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you, Chris. Hope to meet you soon, sir. You too, Dan. Cheers. And thanks, Liz. Bye. Liz, Liz, I love you. Love you too. Yeah. Bye. so much for listening to the conscious being podcast did you know that you can support the conscious being publication and podcast on patreon as a publication we aim to financially support our writers but we need your help with a monthly subscription through patreon you will contribute to our dream to pay our writers a fair industry fee for their work all disabled people deserve fair pay and we are a fair paying publication Check out the link to Patreon in the show notes and we are grateful for any support you can give.